Welcome to the Stone Conversation Podcast, covering everything to do with buying, selling and investing in real estate. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just wanting to start out, Stone Conversations will bring you content to inspire and inform you on your journey. Good morning all. Welcome to the Stone Conversations. My name's Peter Mumford from Stone Real Estate. Today we're lucky again to have Paul Glossop of Pure Property Investment. Pure Property Investment are independent buyer's agency. They help you find the right property for yourself across Australia to help you build your investment portfolio. Good morning, Paul. Welcome again. Morning, Pete. Thank you for having me again, mate. I really appreciate it. I think it's quite relevant at the moment, Paul. There's a lot of different stories happening out there in the media and a lot of it gets uh, beat up and, you know, the media does love to have a headline because it gets us all to read them. And there's so much going on with the current COVID crisis and how that may be affecting the property market, and it has in some ways. So I thought today for our listeners, it's great to talk about maybe some of the facts, <laughs> some, of, some of the fiction, and also yep. how should investors be looking at their state of their portfolio? You know, I know some people are concerned, should I, they may have, have a tenant not paying any rent and uh, because they have a COVID relief, because they've lost their job, etc. But I know some people may be getting stressed and think, should I sell? My, my, mm. my, my opinion, of course, is never sell. But, but I thought mm. we would speak to someone like yourself today and get a few facts for our listeners. Yeah, mate. Look, I think that it's very, very pertinent at the moment as far as you know, what people right across the board who are looking at either buying their own property to maybe looking at downsizing right through to people who are looking at building or continuing to, to build their investment property portfolios. But uh, I think you probably hit the nail on the head, which uh, from most seasoned investors out there will have a couple of war stories to tell. And typically, um, a very universal story, which most will say is, is don't sell um, unless absolutely necessary and, and I think in these times there are a lot of uh, ways in which people can ensure that they don't have to sell even if they're under financial duress at the moment which is probably the first time in our living history and probably in history in Australia where you actually have the levers to pull that we can in times of potential duress if you are under some financial stress. Some suggestions on that and we might just while you're on that topic example mm. someone is struggling they've, they've got three investment property sale or they've even got one and they've lost some tenants. Um, yeah, what, what absolutely. can they do? Yeah, so, so there's, there's quite a number of things. And I think th- there's some immediate stuff here, which is good housekeeping, I think, in, in times of, of potential financial stress or not. But the first one that I would venture down to, rather than taking any drastic measure, measures immediately, and hopefully most of the listeners to this podcast who own property, whether it's their own home or investments, have already started this discussion, is engage your broker um, or your bank. Ideally, it's your broker, and I'm quite partisan to, to brokers um, because I believe that good brokers are worth their weight in gold and they should be the ones reaching out to their clients in these times to ensure that they can go through some of these things as well. But um, really, the, the main facet here is that over the last, since we've seen the, the change to the interest rate cycle, which commenced in July 2019, we really should be seeing that, that your mortgage rates should be at least one, in some cases, one and a half percent cheaper than what you would have been paying this time last year if your, your rates were variable or even if they switch from fixed to variable. So a lot of people who go from fixed to variable um, won't even understand or notice that, that your rates potentially won't even be changing. Um, so there's most certainly some good housekeeping there because if you, and I think the first thing that most can do is that go have a look at what you're, you're currently paying on your interest rates, whether they're fixed or, uh, sorry, whether they're principal interest or interest only. Um, the rates that you should be seeing for owner-occupiers certainly should be in the early to mid twos, 
um, if you're fixing in variable, probably mid twos, maybe a tiny bit higher. Um, and, and if you're investing, um, even in interest only environments right now, if you've got an LVR of less than 80%, uh, there should be uh, sitting somewhere between mid to high twos, early threes at worst right now. And um, that for me is probably where cash flow can immediately, um, typically within a matter of a couple of weeks, be reinjected. Now, you don't even have to refinance to another bank to attract those rates. That's simply a call to your current lenders or to your broker to go and bat for you with your current lenders. So that's probably one of the first steps. It is uh, phenomenal, isn't it, those rates? We, we take them a bit for granted because yeah. we've had them low for a while. But I remember way back in the mid-'80s, <laughs> had my first business, and um, they were like, I was getting 18% on my money in the bank, and I think the rates were about 23%. Yeah, well, uh, I owe to have, have millions of dollars in the bank back in those days. I wish <laughs> I did. What a different game it would have been. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, there was no doubt some people were thinking they were great days, but most who held any property were saying that they were very tough times because rates were where they were. But I think that that is something that people really need to understand, that for every million dollars of debt you're in, a percentage point difference in interest rates is $10,000 net per annum. You know, call it $15,000 growth per year. So, you know, you, you can extrapolate your own personal numbers where I was listening to this and say, well, hang on, am I leaving money on the table here just by me not picking up the phone? And to be honest with you, for, for most, it's probably the easiest, easiest anywhere between two, three, four, five, 10, 20, 30 grand, depending on your debt levels that you'll probably ever make. Um, and most just think that that's just the too hard basket, but it probably is going to be the easiest way that you is, can change the, yeah. the cash flow. Yeah. And I mean, most people try, try to think, how do I get a pay rise at work? Well, I can tell you right now, that's the easiest way to get a pay rise in your life. I think that's so, the thing. So I think that's probably said, yeah. People aren't used to, and if you haven't used a broker, as Paul said, I think it's essential. Obviously, they go and shop around to all the different banks and get you the best deal. Also, they're skilled at putting in the application, especially if you're a small business owner. There's a lot of work Absolutely. involved in that. So it does make a massive difference. And as Paul said, you want a pay rise at work, you don't even have to ask for it. Go and get a discount on your loans. So, Paul. That's it. Question and challenge. This is uh, opportunities. As often, um, you know, people say, you know, being a contrarian investor. Let's discuss that a little bit. Um, what's your thoughts on the current market? Is there opportunities? Is there not? Um, obviously, people are scared. Some are scared about it, but equally, other people have been looking at this market as an opportunity. What are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I mean, if I reflect on properties we've bought um, in the last six, eight, ten weeks since the start of the lockdown uh, has, has occurred, um, specifically if I speak in reference to the Sydney market, even as a just in isolation to the Sydney market, I would suggest that probably 70, 75% of all purchases we've made, and I think at last count over the last two months, we've probably bought for our clients in excess of 25 properties in that time. Um, we, we've bought 75% of those properties off market. So the reason why I say that's, that's quite an opportunity time is that if we rewind, it's probably more so to January, February and early March 2020 is the market was really starting to liven up and that meant that auction clearance rates were pushing 80% week on week and that we saw huge attendance, open houses, etc. And now what that does is obviously creates competition and competition typically creates uh, transaction price increase. Um, so the beauty about now um, part of the, the, the benefit of having lockdown issues um, and access to property for open houses, et cetera, is we've been able to work with our contacts right across the board to be able to get through properties privately with no competition, negotiate without anyone else being part of that negotiation and certainly not going to any auctions. And you know, I speak on the other side of the ledger to 
yourself and your team, Pete, where our job is to, to minimise competition, competition and real estate agent's job is to maximise competition because they're working for the seller to get the best absolute price. So for me, as opportunity presents, that's probably one of the very unique circumstances we've, we've been offered here um, just through the sheer uh, facts of what lockdown has meant to, and how do we actually actually buy property. So right now, I'd say off-market is, is absolute king and it means that no competition is allowing us to get very sharp prices on property. Now on that, obviously with um, auctions back on the table, that meaning we can attend and they're not online anymore, which was certainly a challenge yep. for the industry. Um, <laughs> no doubt. It was, especially with two days' notice. Um, and now open house is back in full swing. Um, I'm yep. noticing across our group that our numbers are starting to increase from people mm. turning up. Not necessarily straight away in the buying. It is picking up. Certainly, uh, I think June will be a much better month than May will be. There's certainly more stock coming on, um, but but not massive amount. And I, and I don't see mm. across our group massive price reductions yet. I don't. How are you mm. seeing it across the broader market across Australia? Yeah, and and I think that's probably the best point to to really reiterate here is that. Regardless of which side of the ledger you're thinking you're on, whether it's we're going to see a huge price drop or we're going to see um, a massive opportunity, which in turn means you're going to go buy, the, the market, if we aggregate the April data and May data, the, the Australian property markets have actually slightly increased um, over both those times if you look at every single sale that's transacted. Um, so the reality is, is that because of the huge amounts of supply reduction that happened pretty much immediately, um, that there's just, I mean, I look at some cases with uh, certain certain larger groups who have seen in excess of, in some suburbs of, of 40, in, in some cases in excess of 50% reduction and, and more of actual supply that they've got on their books or what's coming to market. But the actual buyer's demand has not in, has not decreased by anywhere near that amount. So price, price stability is most certainly there and I think it's going to remain there um, at this stage, based on the data, I don't think we'll see much, if any, reduction over the next three, four, five months. Um, the only real tipping point, which I think might be on the horizon, which is a bit of an unknown for the time being, is what happens when the job keeper and job seeker allowances are gone. And if we factor in that six-month uh, window, which they were available for, we're sort of been fast-forwarding to say September, October is kind of going to be the time and towards quarter four this year will be the time where the rubber meets the road and we really understand what the, the fallout to unemployment rates and therefore people needing to maybe sell under duress. Because the other thing which we haven't spoken about, which is still available, is the six-month mortgage holidays, which the big four banks have all offered their clients. But the, the, the really interesting data out of that mortgage holiday is that obviously it was there and the intention of it was that if you're under financial stress as a part of COVID, then you could apply for a six-month deferral of your mortgage repayments, which didn't mean you lost that six months. It was just added on to the terms of your loans. However, the the total percentage of people who took up that six-month mortgage deferral was less than 5%. So I think that the reality is, is that even if in six months those people are still under financial duress and their mortgage holiday finishes, we've still got a very, very small percentage of the total mortgages that are held in Australia that may be under financial duress and may need to sell um, at a pinch. So, yeah, as, as you might be seeing uh, a bit of a, a, I guess, that incremental increase now that lockdown laws are lifting, I don't believe we're going to see a huge amount of increase um, into supply, which in turn, I don't think is going to see excess stock on the market, which at the moment, the real thing that, that is obvious is that the old adage of supply and demand is most certainly what is holding the market to where it is. And I, don't, I just don't see that changing. And I think probably for some of the longer term, 
fallout of this. Um, we've seen the Property Council come to the, the table only this week talking about $50,000 grant proposals for anybody who buys a new property. Um, is that There's going to be a low amount of supply that's going to come to the market for the next two or three years because approvals are down, construction, uh, or the builders themselves are seeing about a 32% increase in people pulling out of, of actual proposed future building contracts. So we know that that, that follow-through timeframes anywhere between six and 18 months after someone signed a, a contract to construct the property as well. So I think that the future supply position is going to be relatively subdued. And if the, uh, I guess if the immigration uh, department as well as the Minister for Immigration's uh, choice or demands are met, then we're going to see a huge influx or a huge amount of emphasis put on getting uh, overseas students back to Australia as well as getting migration well and truly back into the, um, the forefront of, of what needs to happen to keep demand and population growth as well as skilled workers coming back to Australia, which I think as a fallout to this, we're going to see that Australia came out of the whole, the whole pandemic as one of the beacons of the world um, as far as a safe and, and as far as an economically uh, sound place to live, um, as well as a place that's got its proverbial together as far as um, being able to deal with crisis. So I think if anything, we're going to be put on a pedestal as much more of a higher demand area um, for people to want to migrate over the years to come. I think, yes, we've been very lucky, haven't we, with how it's transpired so far. Um, obviously, mm. the economy and a lot of businesses mm. were all taking a hit. But I think from a health point of view and, and how we're sitting, we're, we're tracking nicely relatively at the moment. Um, Absolutely. Speaking on property investment, we all know and it's, it's a long-term game. But mm. as I know, as we all get older, um, 10 years comes around really quickly. And I was speaking to uh, one of my eldest sons the other day and I'm saying, if I could have my life over again, at your, your age, and this is what all dads say, we'd buy property earlier, we'd buy more of it, we'd keep adding to it and we'd sit on it and never have to sell it. Um, I think what happens is we all get so caught up in the sky's falling, oh, now's not a good time to buy. Um, but I remember reading some great books um, and this Greek fellow, and he said it was about that he bought a property. His wife said, you've got too much property, you should sell one. So he bought another one. The next story was something like his daughter was getting married and, and the wife said, well, we should sell it and help pay for the wedding. So he bought another. <laughs> anyway, yep. he kept buying and obviously became a very wealthy investor. Um, mm. that, that's an extreme case. But equally, a lot of us get scared and sell and go, well, we'll spend that money, we'll renovate the house. Now, that's not necessarily a good thing, is it? Because you're not necessarily building your wealth. You're not multiplying. Mm. Um, for people, I guess, out there, we might just haven't heard about you before, Paul. Um, we did do an earlier podcast, so if anyone would like to go back and listen to that early one with Paul, I suggest you should. But Paul's business helps you buy property. We're very different. We're, we're a real estate agency and we're there to get the maximum price for our vendors. That's what you employ us for. Paul's role is to help you build your investment portfolio. Now, even as agents, we're not great at building investment portfolios because we're doing our day job helping clients sell property. So, Paul, tell us a bit more about a little recap on what you do and how you help people build their portfolios. Mm. What's your role? Yeah, look, I think you, to your exact point, Pete, is that everyone in their own professions, whether they're someone who works in the property space or not, typically are busy doing what they do and real estate agents are busy trying to work to get the best price for their vendors. And to be honest with you, know, we've, we've bought thousands of properties over the years and, and I can only really think of maybe a handful of our clients who actually are real estate agents. Um, and I think rightly or wrongly, they're probably in a position where they think they might know what to do or where to do it themselves or for whatever reason, they're just not using our services. However, the majority of our clients typically are those who are running small to medium businesses or in PAYG positions where they have got the pressures of 
doing what they do on a day job perspective, realise that they've got capacity to do more, but literally just don't know where to start. And when I say where to start, I'm not even saying what property to buy. The first step that we always take with our clients is probably setting a very much a, a clearer plan. Um, and that, that really means that we're not talking about property initially. The, the key for us is saying, well, how long do we have for this plan to be in, in place for? Is it a five-year plan? Is it a 25-year plan? Um, and as part of that, what's the means? What's our borrowing capacity? What's the equity position or cash that we have on hand? And what are we actually wanting to achieve? Because I'm a very big believer is that more is not necessarily better in life. For me, it's always about how much do you need to be happy? Uh, and let's put some actual real figures around that to say, how much do you spend now? If we could replace that amount of money, is that going to make you happy or do we need more? Do we even potentially need less? Um, so once we've set that plan, then our job is to say, well, if we're looking towards a, a eight-year plan of four separate investments across markets, which are going to give you capital growth, cash flow, and maybe some development upside, then we look at then setting clearer strategies based on data to then go and secure properties that fit that criteria. So our, then our buyer's agency's team job, um, I'll brief my team. We literally have daily briefings for new clients who come in is to physically go and source and secure and negotiate the property which fits that criteria. So that's the first part of really what we do is set a plan, then secure properties that fit that plan for the particular client. Once we've secured the property, we also then in, handle the entire settlement process. So that's to take the burden away from everything such as uh, from, from conveyancing to building and pest inspection right through to finance to insurance quotes. Uh, property management, depreciation schedules, literally everything along the way. So um, it's a very, very broad range of things. I think that's the things that you're offering there, great services. And I wish they probably were around when I was young and just probably didn't realise. But but there is more people like yourself out there, which is fantastic. Obviously, it's um, an interesting market and there's people to be wary of. I think uh, always be, my opinion would be, (laughs) whether right or wrong, be cautious of uh, people are just selling... um, that are so-called spruiking property investment, but they're basically selling just off the plan. Not that there's anything wrong with just off the plan because we sell a lot of it as well and they're good investments, but some people are just saying, just putting you into those new developments. But what I like is mm-hmm. you're, you're looking around the country some, you know, and you look for things that have upside as well. So good capital growth, mm-hmm. potentially if they've got development where you can split the block, do something else on it. Um, I think we were chatting the other day about something in Bondi or something you mentioned, a great unit mm-hmm. block had great upside, you were looking for a client. Um, yep. and it could go up a couple of levels where it you know, had the rights to go up. And that's what I like about how you, you look into the other layers of depth, which the average investor may understand you can do that, but they don't have the time to go looking. And I think this is important no. for investors. Um, and that's why I love talking to you because it, it helps us grow our portfolio. It helps us get there quicker because the reality is we are all busy doing our day jobs. Now, of course, if you yep. have lots of free time and um, – uh, you can be looking for your own investments. You can probably do all this. But I think I think for investors getting started or wanting to buy more property, uh, they, they need to be talking to their accountant, obviously, and their financial planners. But I would always say, ask the question, how many properties does your accountant own or your financial planner? If they don't get mm-hmm. it, it doesn't mean they're not good at it and they can't give you advice, but you want to talk to people that have, have done it, that are in there, that are looking daily. I mean, I'm sure you must come across this regularly. Sometimes accounts or different people may advise differently. Yeah, look, and I think you hit the nail on the head. There was some very good advice I got there very early in my uh, property investment career as a professional property investor myself is, is be very wary taking advice from people that you don't want to switch spots with. Um, and, and that's something which I think so often we, we take advice from 
barbecue property advice, which is typically someone who's bought a home at one stage or maybe have have an investment or two in their portfolio. But I mean, the reality is, is that you don't take you don't take advice on how to repair your car from your gardener um, and vice versa. So when it comes down to property, which is such a huge investment in itself, even if you're buying one, is that I personally would always be very wary of taking any kind of recommendation from someone, A, who you wouldn't want to switch places with and have what they have as far as whether it's the their property portfolio, the lifestyle, the cash flow, whatever they've achieved. And then secondly, for me, the other big one is understanding their motivation. Um, and, and to your point, Pete, is that I think um, I have I have no issues with people buying new or off-the-plan property if it's the right property for them at that point in time. But also, when it comes down to it, who's what, what's the motivation of the person proposing the property to you as far as are they getting paid a lot more to recommend that particular property versus a separate property? And you know, our position is we charge a flat fee for what we do, regardless of whether someone buys a million-dollar property or a $500,000 property or a $5 million property. We get paid the same. And our job is to say, look, we're not here to, to bias one property over another. We're here to bias the strategy and the property type to get the best outcome for the person. Well, that's what I like about it. And that's why I have you on the show. And, and, and for our listeners, yes, as I keep saying, we sell real estate and um, we're a residential and commercial agency. But we bring these people to you like Paul that I believe in, that I think are ethical, that do the right thing, that help people build wealth through property. It's something that I'm passionate about a lot of our um, people that work in our business are and we'd like to bring you this information because it's a long journey but it's a very exciting one now on that before we wrap up today paul is there certain mm. areas or certain pockets around um uh, sydney queensland or melbourne that you see could be areas for people to be considering at the moment yeah look i definitely think that there's markets which are still showing great opportunity um and and i think it's probably not necessarily even just areas that people aren't aware of i think everywhere if you're talking about the Sydney Metro Basin at the moment, just specifically, that it's all within plain sight. There's nothing here that's going to be unique or, or that's going to be surprising. But I think if people take their now mindset away and, and think, well, what's happening in the next eight to 15 year mindset, start to look bigger picture right now in Sydney. And there's a few big things which are all still quite obvious, which if you dig a bit deeper, then you can probably see, well, where's that property going to be performing or where's the demand for that type of asset going to be in the next 10 years and beyond? And a couple of big things that are quite obvious is the, uh, the city metro, um, which in particular is going to probably benefit the greater Bankstown area. At this stage, we see probably uh, disproportionately versus other markets, specifically if you're talking more even in affordable corridors, like there are six and eight pack unit blocks which have got R4 density and even beyond density zoning on them, which have high land to value ratios in the vicinity of 60, 65% land to value ratios on two bedroom units sub $400,000, yielding pretty much 5% um, in the Sydney metro market. And you're talking areas which have got sub 2% vacancy rate. So even if you're an entry-level investor looking to get your foot in the door in the Sydney market, you're talking 15K in CBD, the Sydney metro, which will be live in three, four years, will will give that market and that train line corridor a, a train every four minutes, which will access the city, will access Parramatta, will access Liverpool, uh, and will access basically every major employment node that we've got in this city, um, which I think is going to be a market which will become far more in demand and we'll probably see density change to accommodate for that. Um, and then the other markets, which I think are also and, and have been on our radar for some time, is, is what's going to be the direct flow on from the Batteries Creek Airport precinct. Um, so there's markets that surround that from 
uh, areas that probably more the established areas of the Campbelltown, Liverpool regions that sit there, freestanding houses, areas which are undergoing some rezoning as we speak now. But you're even still, I can literally as of half an hour before this, this podcast, we uh, have just secured an off-market property for a client, uh, a brick corner block property on about 680 square metres, three-bedroom, uh, one bath with uh, separate side access, which actually can accommodate a duplex on this particular property for, I believe we've got it secured for 520 odd thousand dollars. It's going to rent for about 420 a week, but has this upside on it already in that particular market where it's located walking distance to rail in an area that's going to see an increase in population of about 60,000 people per year in that greater area for the next 10 years, in addition to seeing about in the vicinity of about 80, $85 billion in infrastructure over the next eight years as well. Um, there's markets in those regions, which I believe are going to see very good sustained growth, as well as a very, very strong population growth and probably a lot more density change to accommodate for that as well. So getting some good land value in that market. Again, not not talking in the millions, and that's the thing that I think people need to be aware of is that you can still access good affordable markets in Sydney, even if you want to sort of stick towards a bit more of an affordable price range with pretty decent yields from a Sydney standard. Paul, thanks again. Um, we've no, taken up a lot of your time and I know you're very busy at the moment with lots of inquiries um, just, uh, just a shout out to you if people want to reach you and speak about investments with you and, and their next step how do they get hold of you again? Yeah, very simple from our end they can jump onto our website purepropertyinvestment.com and there's literally an inquiry button which they can, they can click and that'll take them straight to my calendar and they can book some time in with me directly or alternatively if they just want to give us a call our office number is 1300 98 5428 um, and they can literally speak to our team and set up some time to have a discussion. Thanks, Paul. Thank you very much for your time again. You're very welcome. Well, I hope you all enjoyed today's session and listening to Paul. There's some uh, great takeaways from that. Certainly, uh, building investment portfolio, I believe, is one of those great things we should all do in life, um, even if it's not for ourselves, for our families down the track and security, and it gives you many options. It's never too late to start. That's how I think. And I still buy and I'm still looking for investment property and I'm as I said, getting closer to 60. So it's it's a fun thing. Um, it's interesting and it's challenging and lots to learn, but there's so many great books out there and great people like Paul to speak to. Um, I hope you all have a wonderful week and uh, tune into our next podcast in the future. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Stone Real Estate Conversation podcast. Make sure you visit us at stonerealestate.com.au. Now, if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast player. While you're at it, if you found value in the podcast and the conversations on today's show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or simply make sure you tell a friend about the conversation we had. Be sure to join us on our next episode with more information on buying, selling and investing in real estate. Bye for now.